0: Um, A lot of you this morning probably were expecting a a great message from Chris Barnett, and you were eagerly expecting it and excited to be here this morning to hear it. And now you're probably thinking, that's not happening this morning, and and he's not here. And so um, you might feel a little let down this morning, but um, I've felt that way before recently um, on our honeymoon. Me and Brianna recently got married. (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't get me in trouble, church. Don't get me in trouble. No, that's not the letdown. Um, I love my wife. Um, Well, we were on our honeymoon, and and we were traveling down to Mexico, and uh, we woke up at like 3 a.m. really tired, and we've been traveling all day by by car and by by plane. And so um, we finally get down to Mexico around 3 in the afternoon, and we're finally checked in. We get into our hotel room, and we're just like, we just need a nap right now. And we walk in, and there's two twin beds. And so I know a little bit about what you're going through this morning, but I pray that the Holy, I pray the Holy Spirit will just speak to you this morning and that we will feel, feel the peace of God. Now, before I get into the substance of this morning's lesson, that'll be my last joke, um, <laughs> um, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, a lot of you have just seen my name on a, on a sheet of paper or um, just heard about me through, I, I don't know, the bulletin or anything like that, and so I'd like to just tell you a little about 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 myself. Uh, My name is Stephen Walker. As Derek said, I'm the young adult and college minister here. I'm an EB. I've I've been here since May. Um, I've been enjoying it every single day. Uh, Me and Brianna actually have been coming here uh, for about three years now. We actually came here as youth interns in 2017 and so um, we're very thankful and blessed uh, to know Sean and Nikki and and give us that guidance um, that they've given us over the years. We actually met, me and Brianna, in, in doing college ministry at Clear Creek, um, and so we're very thankful for that church for giving us an opportunity. That was four years ago, which seems like forever ago when we first met, um, and so we're very thankful uh, for Clear Creek and the relationships that we have there. Uh, we, we recently got married, like I said, on November 2nd, so just life is new right now. We're just figuring things out. We, we've, we've just been at peace with it, I guess. We've just had little arguments along the way and still trying to figure out um, how to live life together. Um, but it's a very exciting time. Uh, we both recently graduated in May. Uh, Brianna has a Spanish degree and she's actually translating up there, so she knows what she's doing. I graduated with a political science degree, um, so I'm doing exactly what I thought I would be doing, doing ministry. So... Ha ha ha. We recently got a dog named Wrigley. Now the yak people in the front row are rolling their eyes right now because they follow me on social media, and I post about Wrigley all the time. Um, but he did just get an Instagram. So if you want to go follow Wrigley on Instagram, he gets a treat um, for every follower he gets, and he loves his followers. Um, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I grew up at Sycamore View Church, and, and weirdly, there's a lot of connections there. I know the the Wiseman's. I grew up knowing Matt's dad a lot, um, and hanging out with him. And and I know the Etheridges know some people at Sickmore View. And I'm very thankful for that family. Um, They taught me a lot about community and being a family atmosphere. And so I'm very blessed um, to know them. But in all seriousness, we love this church family. Uh, Like I said, we've been coming here for about three years now. We're thankful for all the relationships and everyone that has been here supporting us along the way. Um, this morning, we're going to be in John 6, um, John six 25. We're going to start there and go along. Um, this, this month, we've been talking about peace giving, um, and I hope you felt peace over this past, past month. I know the holidays can be a very restless time, and so I hope coming to, to church here on Sundays has been very peaceful for you. Um, we're in John 6, and, and I want to paint the picture for you because a lot of things has happened before this actually section happens that you really need to know. So Jesus has just fed the 5,000, um, and this is before John six twenty-five, 25, and, and in verse 15, um, they get the wrong idea of why he did that. In verse 15 of John 6, it says, Jesus, knowing they intended to make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. And so just off the top, you already have the crowd, thousands, uh, mind you, that are, already have the lo- wrong idea of why Jesus is here. They want an earthly king. They want someone to to overthrow the Roman oppressor. They want someone to be their their Davidic king. He then, you know, disappears for a while. And then you have the scene in the Sea of Galilee where he walks on water. I mean, so he's done these amazing miracles. And and here we are in in verse 25. He's in Capernaum. He's he's teaching at the synagogue there. The entire crowd, this entire time this has gone by, has been just searching for him. And I just imagine, it says in verse 24, uh, they got into their boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus thousands of people got in their boats and went to Capernaum. I'm mean, just imagining a horde of ships just going across the Sea of Galilee looking for him. And so here we are, we're, we're in a Jewish synagogue here in Capernaum, and, and you have thousands around Jesus looking for, for healing, looking for something to fill them up. It, except they weren't hungry for spiritual awakening. They were, they were hungry for, for more worldly things. Like I said, they were wanting food provision. They had just been fed. They wanted a revolt against the Romans. They were hoping that this was their messianic king. And so this morning we're going to unpack this section here. We'll be in 25 through, through about 69. And so I want to discuss a little bit about what's going on here. Jesus is teaching them in the synagogue. He's telling them all these crazy things like eat my flesh and, and drink my blood. And I am the bread of life. And, and during this time these people are just like whoa. That does not sound good to me. He just said this and in verse 60 he says on hearing it many of his disciples said this is a hard teaching who can accept it aware that his disciples were grumbling about this Jesus said to them does this offend you? then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before and so he says all these things and finally in verse 66 it says from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him and so my first question to you this morning is when the world turns its back on Jesus what will you do? You have this section here where Jesus has had just taught another hard lesson of of telling things that they're not really comfortable with and and a lot of people desert Jesus. They leave him. And I think oftentimes we we do that too in society. We have a world that that rejects Jesus often, that that they, they turn away from Jesus and our response is not really the one that we should be responding with. It seems like every time something bad happens in our society that we consider not biblical, we react in a negative way, in a reactive way that, that's hateful and, and angry. Have you noticed that? I, I remember in like in 2015 and, uh, when Starbucks changed their holiday cup, and seeing Starbucks just kind of makes us tense up a little bit because we have a lot of problems with Starbucks, it seems like. But they changed their holiday cup, and I'm sure a lot of you remember this. They had a Christmassy design on the holiday cup with trees and... and reindeer and all these things and they change it to a solid red color and you wouldn't think that was a big deal but you know the christians in 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 america responded in this way they said that our society was turning our back on god and they were starting a war on christmas from a cup And, and sadly there are too many stories today that that when something wrong happens that we feel is wrong that we feel is against god we respond with hate and anger, and, and we boycott, and we, we shout persecution and injustice, and, and we don't stop until something has changed. And I think we have this twisted view of what being a Christian is. We, we think it's safety and security, but, but Jesus actually says the opposite. In John 15, starting in 18, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute, persecute you also. And I think the early Christians really knew and understood th- this, this view of Christianity. When, when persecution would come their way, it talks about in Acts how they rejoiced. Um, I mean, James, it talks about when, when persecution comes your way, rejoice and be glad and have this peace about you. Because they understood that when they were persecuted, it meant they were closest to God. And I I think we have this view that that Christianity should be easy and that the way we walk in America is that we're the good ones, we're the better ones and and we have to worry about what the world's doing because we worry about um, their eternal salvation but we worry about it in the wrong way. Because it's time we stop worrying how the world feels about Jesus and it's time we start thinking about what we desire for the world. Because Jesus... Created us to desire. We, oftentimes, we think of Christianity as this idea of, of it's in our minds. It's a it's a logical thing that if we you know read enough Scripture, if we if we go to church every Sunday and Wednesday, or or we pray every time before a meal, that we're just automatically a Christian. But but it's the opposite. I mean, he made us to desire him, to crave him. But a lot of you are going to Thanksgiving feast this week and you're desiring the food there. You're, you're craving the, the turkey or the dressing. Our, our yak group is having a, a Friendsgiving tonight and, and I'm really excited about the turkey that's about to be eaten. But I don't think about it how I like it. I desire it in my heart. I crave it. I hunger for it. There's this book that I've been reading. It's called You Are What You Love. And it kind of describes how Christianity is a desire, desire feeling, not a logical feeling. It says this, To be human is to be animated and oriented by some vision of the good life, some picture of what we think counts as flourishing. And we want that. We crave it and we desire it. This is why our fundamental mode of orientation to the world is love. We are oriented by our longings, directed by our desires. We adopt ways of life that are indexed to such visions of the good life, Not usually because we think through our options, but rather some picture captures our imaginations. And and so that can be better explained with an example. I'm actually going to pull it up here. Um, The example is if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood. And and don't assign them to tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the immensity of the sea. And, And so what's that saying is that if you want someone to do something... Don't just say, hey, this is a good idea to do. Make them desire that they want to do it. Jesus understood this, and he knows that we were meant to desire. You know, people in businesses know this too. Um, I don't know if you've seen a Lincoln car commercial with Matthew McConaughey, but it really doesn't talk about, like, the specifications of the car. It doesn't tell you how much miles per gallon it has or if it has, you know, heated seating or not. It just shows a video of Matthew McConaughey just talking and just saying random things about um, some out-of-body experience that he has. And it's because Lincoln knows that you don't think about buying a car. You desire to be in that car. You desire to have that feeling, that experience to be in the car. And have that experience that Matthew McConaughey does. Jesus uses the same tactics actually. He, he speaks of their desire in verse 35. And, and it's a beautiful picture and I, I want to read it for you. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus promises us that we will never go hungry and never be thirsty when we choose to follow him. You see, the people there did not get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was trying to tell them. So Jesus speaks of their desire. They had just been fed, and I'm sure they were hungry again. And he doesn't tell the people to believe or burn or, or tell them to repent or the rapture's coming down or he doesn't show up with pickets uh, shouting shame or, or condemnation. He paints a beautiful picture of what following him really means. Because he knows that these people, it, it, it's not logical, it's a desire-based thing. And, and if we believe this, if we choose to, to desire Jesus, to desire to never go hungry, to never go thirsty... Shouldn't we also desire that for the world? Because our world's hungry. I I don't know if you've noticed that, but our world is hungry. I mean, you see it every day. You see it on on YouTube, on on Instagram, on Twitter. Wanting to be a part of a conversation. wanting, Wanting to get the most likes on Instagram. Wanting to have the most views on a video on YouTube. Our world seeks fulfillment. Our world wants something to fill them up. And we have that. We have the thing that, that, want, that will fill them up. And it's Jesus. But I think we've, we've done a terrible job at giving it to them. Like I said, every time something happens, what do we do? And instead of saying, hey, we've got this guy that's going to fill you up. We've got this guy that you'll never go hungry. You'll never go thirsty. We instead say the opposite. We can deal we show hate, and we respond in anger. But, but Jesus never believed this. And, and, and Exactly in verse 47, he says, Verily, truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. Which I will give for the life of the world. Anyone is welcome at Jesus' feast. Anyone. And, and I think oftentimes we, we see ourselves as like the bouncer at the door of Jesus' feast. We we see ourselves as the one who lets people in or out. We 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 tell people you're not worthy and, and we tell people, Okay, you're welcome, you can come in, but but you know, you have to stay out. And I think it's because we forget sometimes why Jesus came to this earth, much like the Jews did in that passage. See, they thought that he came to, to make an earthly kingdom again like David's, and they thought that he would be the one who throw, overthrow the Roman Empire, and they thought he would be the one to, to make them powerful and rich again. And I think sometimes we think that too. We think Jesus came for us, and Jesus came for just us, and just the Christians are the ones that he came for. But in John 3, 16, which we all know, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall have eternal life. We we forget what happens after that. In verse 17 it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God didn't come to condemn this world. God didn't show up to the world with, with, with pickets and shouting shame and, and shouting condemn and shouting hate he came to save it he came to save the world and so I ask you a question what, if we are the metaphorical bouncers at the door of Jesus' feast we'll, where you'll never go hungry and you'll never go thirsty are, are, are we inviting people in or are we denying them at the door when, when we see the world reject Jesus, do we, do we show up with, with anger and hate? Or, or do we send them an invitation to the seat at the table? Where, where they'll never go hungry and they'll never go thirsty. Because if you notice in John six sixty seven, he, he Jesus' response isn't directed at, at the people that left him. Have, have you noticed that? That actually really made my mind kind of jumble. He, he doesn't direct it at the people who left him. He, he doesn't, you know, tell them to, hey, you better come back here because this is your only shot. He turns to the people he has left and gives them a choice. So when the world turns its back on Jesus, what will you do? When the message is hard to accept or, or when it sounds completely crazy or when, when the world says, no, Jesus, that, that, I don't want that. What will you do? Because I'll tell you what Peter did and, and oftentimes we think of Peter as this you know, self-conceited and, and maybe psychopath person a violent person but I'll tell you his response in, in verse 67. In verse 66 from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus asked the twelve you do not want to leave too do you? Simon Peter answered him Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There is nothing else but Jesus that gives eternal life and peace. You know, nothing else will will satisfy you. Nothing else will be enough for you. Nothing else can heal you. Nothing else will fill you up but Jesus. And so we're not just talking about hunger here. He's not just being literally, I will fill you up with food and, and, and drink. If you're anxious, if you're scared, if you're in pain, if you have anxiety, if you have worries, Jesus is the answer. So you can either get mad at the world and, and respond with anger and hate, and, or you can find an internal peace with Jesus. And help the world find it too. We were called to help the world find Jesus. To, to find the eternal peace. And to be at eternal rest with God. And so my last question. What do you hunger for? Do, do you hunger for the world to know God? Do, do you hunger to be at rest with God and to bring as many people with you into the table of Jesus? Do you thirst for the world to know peace? Do you, do you crave the world to, 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 to be fleeing from the devil, to be away from sin? Do you, do you crave the world to be at peace? Do, do you crave not to go to heaven one day, but, but to bring it here on earth? To bring heaven to earth? for everyone. You know, this month we've been talking about peace giving. And we've been talking about having peace in God's presence. And I can't think of a better way to give peace than to invite someone into the feast where they'll never go hungry. And they'll never be thirsty. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know at what point of your life you're at. I don't know if, if you're one of those people who responds with anger and hate. I've done it before too. I don't know if you need peace this morning, if you need the healing and the presence of God. Maybe that's what you need. And, and church, we believe in the power of prayer. And so if you want to come down here and pray this morning with us, we'd love to pray over you. If you're someone who, who needs the peace of God, if you're someone who needs healing in your family, if you need to rid yourself of your anxiety or your fears or your worries or your doubts, will you come down this morning? Will you be with your church family and experience the peace of God? Maybe you've been pretty bad at giving that peace out to the world and maybe you just need to repent and you just need to say, sorry, Jesus. And you need to find rest with God. This week, as, as we're feasting, as we're, we're having a great meal around a family or, and, and eating like we, until we can't anymore, will you be reminded that, that Jesus' meal you'll never go hungry at? That eventually the next day you're going to get hungry again? And then you're going to eat and then you're going to get hungry again? But with Jesus, you'll never go hungry. You'll never be thirsty. You'll never have anxiety. You'll never have pain. You'll never have fear. Do you believe that this morning? Then let's stand and let's sing and let's praise to God for giving us that eternal peace and that eternal life.